there's this new need when you travel and it's, you're not just traveling to stay at a place and go on your classic tour that shows you dolphins in the, the ocean. Like you really want to find the locals, ask them what they're doing and then experience travel in that destination like a local, be a responsible traveler and hopefully get back to the local businesses, not the people that set up shop because tourism is prevalent in that area. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident, feel empowered, and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Welcome or welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle, and today we're going to be talking about adventures. We're going to be talking about travel and all the things that I know bombshells absolutely love. And we're going to do it with my friend, Madison Rifkin, who is a powerhouse in the vacation rental, short-term rental industry. Yes, I know I have a bajillion guests in this industry, but they're my friends and I love them and they're brilliant. They're so smart. They're really good business people, not just like with business acumen, but how they treat each other and their customers and the industry as a whole. And so I just keep finding really good examples. And today's example is, um, she's something, let me tell you. Maddie is the CEO and co-founder of Mount. She's been recognized as a short-term rental industry's rising star two years in a row and is on a mission to change the way we travel. Now, there's a whole lot more to her that we are going to be talking about today. Maddie, welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Thanks, Amber. Happy to be here. So um, I'm just going to jump straight to it. Well, let me give you a little background for our listeners. So the first time I ever laid eyes on Maddie, I am on a, a cruise called Boat Hair Don't Care. And she was one of the sponsors for it. We were all in Miami. It was probably one of the most fun things I've ever done at a conference. And it really set the tone with how everybody kind of engaged for the rest of the conference. And um, she did it in conjunction with Touch Stay. So that's been represented on the podcast before. And I was like, huh, I wonder if she's, she's so cool. She knows all my friends. And I just kind of watched her from afar just because life gets busy or whatever. And then I found out she started her business when she was a child. And then I was like, what? So here she is today. And that's where I want to dive in. So Maddie, I had, um, I had like a lawn care business and I had, obviously you have to have a, a lemonade stand. And I did some like candy things at school where I melted down now and laters and I twisted them up and I made popsicles and I sold those for like five times as much, but you started like a whole business. So take us back there. I did. Yeah. I was uh, 12 years old back in, I want to say that was fifth grade. So middle school, basically. Um, and I just had the good fortune of going to a school that fostered innovation and they had a competition. It was called the Gates Invention Competition. It was in Colorado. That's where I grew up. And I wanted to invent something. And I still to this day, I'm probably the most forgetful person you'll ever meet. And <laughs> when I was 12, my problem that I had was we biked everywhere. I biked to school and, uh, yet would always forget my bike lock. And it was just something I never brought with me. And it drove my mom crazy to no end. So I really didn't like the fact that I kept getting yelled at. And I was like, Mom, I can fix this. Let me let me enroll in this invention competition and basically created the bike lock that I welded to the bike. So I could never forget it. It was unforgettable. And that's kind of what started my entrepreneurial journey. That's crazy. But immediately you were solving a problem. It was your problem. 
It was my problem. (laughs) That's what business is. It's just solving problems. So from there, when you, so you created it for yourself and then did you sell it to other kids in your area or did you like do a, a version of it that you could show other people? Like, where did it go from there? Yeah. So I think I don't really remember, but I want to say it was like for the full year that we worked on this product and we did it with some of the teachers because I was 12 and couldn't use power tools. So they helped. (laughs) Uh, And they basically had me build the entire product to, to the point where it worked. And then at the end of the year, they brought in some judges that were, uh, older business people from around Colorado and they judged the whole competition. Uh, and so I, as a 12 year old stood up in front of a few hundred people did your Shark Tank style pitch. Uh, and I ended up winning a patent from that competition. So that's what I got when I was 12. And I was like, I didn't quite grasp the concept of a patent. I do now. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but that's how the journey started. And it, yeah, I went through that whole patent process. It takes forever. I think I finally got the patent when I was 15, like officially. And I worked with a lawyer. We drafted up all the documents. And so that's kind of the initial process I went through was just that. I didn't start selling the lock. I did use it because I needed it, but um, didn't sell anything until I went through that process. And then by that time I was in high school and was just kind of a little more focused on finishing school and and learning how to be a child. But (laughs) yeah, well, and you have a little more homework and some collegiate aspirations and things that take up your time more than in junior high. So how did you go from high school? I just got a patent, which how many kids get patents for a prototype? And then suddenly now you have like this full-fledged business that is beloved in an entire industry. It's a good question. It's a, it's a long journey. So that was like the initial start of, of Mount was this lock and it was called Mount Locks. And then when I was deciding where to go to school for college, I was looking everywhere. I'm also a triplet. So I had the burden of looking at many schools that they wanted to go to. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I ended up at Northeastern University which is in Boston. And I went there for one reason. And it was because my college counselor told me not to go because anyone that went would become a CEO. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. It's a fit. And uh, the first day I got to campus, I went over to the entrepreneurship hub, club, whatever it was. uh, And I was like, hey, I want to start a business. It's called Mount Locks. It's a bike lock company. And they're like, yeah, we're on it. Um, So they helped me basically build that company officially, like an LLC, gave me some mentors. And from there, it was an actual company. And I started taking classes that would help me learn about how to build a hardware company, got investment, built it up and started, started the inroads of Mount Locks, which is now Mount. That's crazy. And now I can't, I'll, I'll forget her name off the top of my head, but she has redhead wines. She's redheaded and she created a wine company in college in a similar pitch competition. And then they nurtured it and everything. And then she graduated college with a whole company. She sells in Walmart now. So you whippersnappers, I'm telling you, like I was on the struggle bus to create all my companies. Not that it's not a heavy lift for anybody, but like, how cool is that? That now we have that in, in college where you get real experience and not just book experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think Northeastern really leaned into that too, because well, one, my degree, it wasn't a normal business degree. It was an entrepreneurship degree. That's what they taught me, which was awesome. And then two, they're one of only a few schools that has a co-op program. So it actually allows you to for six months, go get a full-time job and not go to school. It's part of like the degree. Yeah. Um, which was amazing. I did mine for startups and then for myself. And by the time I graduated, I had like a year and a half of work experience. Yeah. So crazy. Okay. So take us from the time where you graduated college, you have Mount, which is a bike lock company. 
And then how did you go from we make bike locks to we create experiences for you or we offer experiences for you that are hyper local when you travel? Yeah, it's a big jump. Uh, big. And the pivots, they happened actually during school and then coming out of it. And it was almost, honestly a circumstance of what was going on in the world. So when I got to college, I was 18 or 19, started this bike lock company and was learning hardware engineering, CAD, like all this stuff to build a supply chain in China and a product, which now knowing how that process works, I would never go through it again. (laughs) It was so tedious. Oh my gosh. But right when we had finally gotten the inroads of setting a supply chain up in China, we had produced some hardware. One, we couldn't find funding because it was going to be probably close to half a million dollars to get tooling and get this product produced. And not a lot of investors want it. Uh, invest in hardware. And then two, COVID hit and the supply chains around the world got totally disrupted. We needed a specific microchip because the lock had some tech capabilities and uh, that became virtually impossible for about a year. And so, and this was all while I was in college. I went through COVID during college. So Mm. during that time, I was like, what can I do to accelerate this process so that we maybe don't need hardware or whatever? And Somehow that led me to the scooter industry when it was an in, at infancy with Bird and Lime. Oh, yeah. And this was actually right before COVID hit. I had flown to California and showed up at one of their offices with the lock. And I was like, hey, guys, you just launched these scooters. I think you're going to need a lock. Ours happened to be perfect for a scooter. Um, and that worked out pretty well. We ended up working with those companies for quite a while. And then COVID eventually hit. Supply chain went by the wayside. And those companies hit very hard as well. And yeah, because they didn't have your, the tourism. Yeah. No, and I think too, when you put a scooter on the street and then COVID is there, people didn't really want to ride something someone else had just ridden. Right, yeah. <laughs> Let alone get an Uber. That was a whole different thing during COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. And it changed the whole world on its head and it changed travel. And so during that time, we were faced with so many problems. We couldn't find funding. So I self-funded it through co-ops and working extra jobs. The companies that were our customers had their own struggles. And so I kind of had to rethink, all right, if Mount wants to survive, what are we going to do? And the secret of the scooter industry, no one talks about because no one tells you is that every single person riding a scooter is a tourist. They're not a commuter and they're just hopping on the scooter to have a fun way to explore town. They look at it as an adventure. I was guilty of that. I've done it. Um, As a a former Nashvilleian, I assure you, locals do not hop on those things. We (laughs) look at you with disdain that you're in our city, clogging up our streets on your scooters. But I hope y'all are having fun. (laughs) Exactly. It was like this whole nuanced thing. So I was like, okay, I I learned a lot from the scooter industry. I saw companies become billion-dollar companies within a year. I learned about the customers. And so I was like, if we're going to truly disrupt something and change the way people travel, it should start with giving travelers the resources they need and want and not just with putting thousands of scooters on streets, because I thought that was really irresponsible, but more going to where the tourists and travelers are staying, which during COVID happened to be short-term rentals, big, big boom there. Uh, and that's how I ended up in the short-term rental industry was through the scooters. So you and I kind of crash landed at the same time. I mean, I got in probably at the end of 2019 and then COVID happened. And then it, we all kind of held our breath and, and all my hoteliers like, you know, I had to let them out of their agreements and all that kind of stuff, which I gladly did. And, and then like the vacation rental industry was like, we need you. Cause it would just started blowing up. It was crazy. And people were tired, <laughs> like working their tails <laughs> off. 
And then you and I just come trucking into the industry and like never look back. So we talk a lot about building supportive environments. That's one of the key things that I teach in leadership or even just, you know, entrepreneur life. And one thing that I love about the industry, and we were talking about this pre-show is just how awesome it is. And so like, you know, I did your, your excursion pre a book direct conference because I have a strong friendship with um, Tyann Hammond and that's somebody that you connected with. So where along this journey did you really start building those relationships and building your people environment to support Mount going through this transition? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And I think that's one thing I learned at Northeastern going through co-ops is that it's really the people that matter. Uh, You can have a great idea, but if you aren't supported by others, it's going to not go very far. And so when it was the middle of COVID and I was trying to find our first customers, I actually just emailed a few hosts and property managers, not knowing that's actually what they were called. I was just like, oh, this person has a short-term rental. Let's see (laughs) how this goes. Um, And the response was incredible. I mean, everyone was so willing to help. Um, I remember our first ever customer, actually, her name is Ellie Paget, and she runs Home, Home Slice Days, I think is the name, in Scottsdale. Uh, and Great she market. was like, no, come out, I'll host you. Like, we'll tackle this scooter thing together. I've never launched scooters in the past. That's what we used to do, put scooters in Airbnb properties. Um, and I was like, coming from an industry that was tech rooted in Silicon Valley, which was the scooter world, it was so cutthroat, so male dominated, that no one wanted to help. And if you emailed someone, you probably wouldn't hear from them. And so when I got into the hospitality space, I was like, (laughs) oh my God, people are so nice here. Uh, So Ellie was the first of many. And she got me connected to Will Slickers. That's how I met him. Done. And then it kind of just snowballs and everyone meets everyone. And I remember showing up to the first Verma that they had coming off of COVID, which was in Texas, uh, in San Antonio. And I showed up knowing one person. I think it might have been Will or maybe Francois from Men's Connect. I knew a few, yeah. but did not really anyone. I showed up by myself and I just got so connected because everyone's like, you need to meet this person, you need to meet this person. And that's kind of the, I guess, the snowball effect of getting keyed into the industry. And then after that, I just kept messaging people on LinkedIn. I was like, hey, I want to chat. I need as much advice as possible. Like I just want to learn. And I think when you take that approach, as opposed to like, we weren't really selling anything back then. Um, I think that's where it became really helpful. Yeah. Well, I think what you did, or at least what I've observed that you did was exactly what you just said. You showed an interest in becoming a part of something greater than just you, just your company, just what you're looking for. It's like, well, what are your problems? How can I participate in that? Like, where do I get plugged into this industry in a way that, yeah, helps me. I mean, duh, we're all self-serving. We're born that way. We can't help it. Um, And you'd be foolish not to be if you're running a business. But also if I'm going to be doing this thing where I'm trying to create my own dream and my own business and everything, how could I do that in service to the industry at the same time and developing those relationships. And, you know, when I, when I watch people like you that just shoot up through an industry quickly, I'm always like, they put people first. You have to. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny too, because when I showed up to that big Verma conference, it was great, but it was also very overwhelming because I think (laughs) there were a few thousand people there. Yeah. And I was like, how do you network on that huge of a level? And it was so challenging, which is why I then got with Tyann and we threw that boat event because it allowed like a high touch group of probably 30 people for four or five hours. You know, I trap people in the water uh, Yeah, <laughs> and, and we just get to chat. And I feel like those relationships are built so much stronger than just meeting someone at a booth, for example, at a conference. Well, um, and, 
I'll just say for that boat experience, which I had no intention of selling myself. I just was going to hang out and see who else was going to be at this conference and start that bonding process to your point. And cause I'm a relationship person and I had um, multiple conversations about me working. I have an affiliate relationship now, and I have a really close friend that just is like, you know, at that same soul level as me that like how I do life that he'll just send me encouraging things every once in a while. I'll send him like, Hey, I read this in my thing today, or he'll send me like a manifesting thing or whatever. And all of that started on that boat is just so cool. So, so cool. Yeah. I love doing stuff like that. So that's kind of what Mount or myself and Mount do forward or going forward. We do partly because I like to have fun and I'm like, these events are really good for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll, we'll throw events as opposed to like just going to a conference. And I, I look at that as being quite fun. Like last year, uh, pre Verma, I played in the golf tournament, which was hilarious. It was so much fun. Uh, ended up beating all the men. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, girl. (laughs) I had to speak at another thing right before then. So I couldn't go. Oh, maybe this year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. My daughter's, my daughter is due with my first grandchild, October 15th. So I've kind of blocked out the entire month of October and Verma is like maybe going to happen. I don't know. So I just haven't made my choice yet. That's so exciting though. (laughs) I know. Like if there was a reason to miss, this would be it, but I will definitely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, are you going to be at the um, Vacation Rental Women's Summit in Nashville? Uh, yes, I hope to be. Okay, in Darm. I'll be there. Yes. Um, okay, so, all right. So you've, you've done all these things and you've gotten embedded, but like somewhere along the way, you have a co-founder? Yeah, so it's an interesting story. It's um, Everything about I mean, you I... is an interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> so people tell me. I'm just like an onion. There's so many layers. Um, yeah, when I was starting Mount, Obviously, I started it by myself when I was 12 as an idea. I wasn't really a company then. And then I re-Mount became a real company in college. But it was an interesting sentiment when you start a company in that a lot of people try and give you a lot of advice because everyone's like, oh, I've done this before. Even in reality, they probably were just at a large company and had like a VP title or something. And they just like to give advice now. And so I was naive, didn't know that. And there was a lot of advice being thrown at me being like, you cannot be a solo female founder, let alone just a a solo founder, but you're also a female. So you definitely can't do it by yourself. (laughs) That was the sentiment. Uh, In case you don't have enough limiting beliefs, let me feed you some more. Exactly. And you know, uh, Amber, you know me, I'm I'm pretty confident. Like that didn't shake me, but if you hear it enough, you're like, okay, well maybe they're right because they have done it before. And so I entered into a startup accelerator and there had been someone that was working with Mount kind of as an advisor very technical, which was great because I'm not. Um, and his name was Rashad. And I was like, uh, yeah, at the time, the startup accelerator was like, you probably need a co-founder, like don't do this alone. And I was like, well, he's been working with Mount for like a year and a half as an advisor. I've seen the pivots and growth. So Rashad, that's how Rashad actually ended up becoming my co-founder, which looking back at it was great. And, you know, I wouldn't do it any other way because he had so many skills. I didn't just right. being on the technical side, building software. And so in that sense, quite helpful. I think giving advice where you can't do it alone is probably not the right way to attack that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> More advice around, Hey, get someone to compliment your skills. So, yes. that, you know, and maybe leaving the female thing out of it. But, uh, in the, in the end, that's how I did get a co-founder. Uh, it worked out really well and we built the business, uh, to a great point. Um, and now are a team of 10 full time. So that's amazing. Yeah. And you were just trying to figure it out in 2020. Girl, it's exactly, only yeah. July of 2023. <laughs> you have 10 people full time. That's that's amazing. 
So I just, I really wanted to ask that because I know that's a, that's one of those topics, especially with female founders that is like, oh, do I need to have a male co-founder? Like, do I need to have this? Do I need to have that? Like, can I do it on my own? And it's a fair question. And I'm the last person to say like, no, you can do it on your own because the, the truth is many of us entrepreneurs are really great visionaries with mad ideas and creativity and all kinds of innovation and not necessarily the best follow through at all times. And I'm not saying that's you, but I'm saying that is probably average. And so when people are like, you can do it all on your own, I'm like, well, you could either hire an integrator or you can partner with an integrator. But either way, I think most of us need somebody that can, you know, we can pass the ball to and they get it across the end zone. Has yeah, that absolutely have you found like what are your unique strengths and then what are the areas that are less helpful about your personality that you need other people to enhance? Yeah, and it's a funny, funny time question you asked this because I just got introduced to the culture index, uh, which oh. basically tells you all this stuff. It's phenomenal. We implemented it at Mount, but um yeah, I definitely know I have some weaknesses. I think my strengths are networking, vision, executing, probably not so much. Um So I have made sure a lot of people at the Mount team, as we build, are very much detail-oriented, very much executors, and can listen to the vision. Because I could probably tell you in 10 years, 15, 20 years, what Mount will accomplish and do. But the building blocks to get there are what the Mount team fills in. So I'm very much a believer the advice should probably be, you can do it by yourself, but there's no need because you should probably hire a lot of smarter people than you to get it done. uh, And then you hold the vision of, of how to get there. Yeah. And you've got to do some scrappy work that you don't love doing on route because you can't instantly hire everybody to replace yourself. But I'm PI certified. We don't like sell PI. We use it in a variety of different ways, but that's where CI came from and it's a powerful system. It's um, it really helps you see behaviorally like what you need in a work environment. So then you can be like, okay, well, I'm terrible at, you know, following the rules. So maybe I should hire some rule followers to surround me so I can stay fair, square and legal and make sure everybody gets what they need. Um, I would love to see your pattern, by the way, I can only imagine I have my guesses, (laughs) but, um, so what would you say then is like, I, I think we all have like a big driver of why we're an entrepreneur. Like my number one performance value is freedom. So I want freedom to experience my day the way that I want to, to like, I want to work 70 hours so I don't have to work 40 between nine and five, you know, (laughs) like I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to work wherever I can work from. I want the experiences or whatever. And that's all freedom to me. So what is it about you that makes you work as hard as you do? Because this is not easy work to make Mount continue to succeed. It's not easy, but it is fun. I I will give it that. Um, You know, I think there's a few drivers for me and, it's probably the way I grew up. I mean, I'm a triplet. We're all the same age, um, but I am like older by a few minutes. <laughs> uh, and so in that sense, I was kind of the leader of a group since I was born. Uh, so that's just built into my DNA. Yeah. And then I had the very great privilege, I still do, of watching my both grandpas build a massive company and see how they've been in- integrated that into the family and use that to drive everything. And they've kept cousins and uncles and great uncles and great cousins all together. Our family is huge. Uh, and it's kind of all because of this company. Uh, and that's been incredible. So I think those are my two drivers, but honestly, growing up as a, a Gen Z, you know, um, person, and then also being a female in business, my bigger driver is I say, I want to change the way we travel. That's great. But inherently, like if I had an ideal world in 20, 30 years, 
I will have had such an impact to flip the script so that women are the dominant force in the, uh, the workforce. You know, we're ranking the top CEOs of all companies as opposed to maybe making up five to 10% and uh, just having an impact in that way, because I think, you know, it's about time. <laughs> It is about time. And I just want to say to our bombshell boys who are listening, like, this is not an attack against you. This is not a you, we hate you. We don't like you have your value too. It's just that women have extraordinary skills that are more and more needed in the, in the workforce today, like empathy and emotional intelligence and to be able to read situations. And I mean, I can go on and on communication skills, like what used to be considered soft skills. Maybe they still are, but I use soft skills to save a company $2 billion. So I don't exactly consider that soft. Um, but those are things that we inherently have. And we also have a sense of harmony that we tried to establish again, I'm generalizing. So Maybe we can do business differently. Maybe it doesn't have to be just cut the whole forest down. Maybe we could take a step back, look at the compass, and then we can tell the men to cut the forest down. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it goes back to that point of let's, you know, get someone that really complements your skills that are very diverse and just bringing more of that. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I was just reading an article that, you know, of course, the tech industry, as you know, has just been tremendous layoffs, tremendous layoffs. And then like only 30% of the workforce in, in the tech industry is female anyways, it's vastly male dominated. And then the people who are being cut are traditionally female roles, human resources, marketing, recruiting, and the support roles. And so if we have more female founders, more female CEOs, then that would probably be looked at differently. Like we have decades of um, DEIB initiatives that are just being undone now. So that's my little rant for the day. Back to Maddie. Okay. So I want to learn more. I mean, I know because I follow you on social media and I have looked at your website and everything, but I want other people to know because you have, you have the end user who is the guest and then you have the host or the professionally managed vacation rental management company. Can you tell me about like, what is it that they get? So what does the host get? What does the guest get? And then what are the benefits that they're experiencing from using Mount? Yeah, so basically Mount is, I like to call us a big marketplace and we're facilitating the interactions and transactions between hosts and guests. Like we're just making that a lot easier. And what it looks like is from the traveler perspective, and I start there because everyone at Mount, including myself, is nomadic traveler you know, been to many countries and lived in hostels and all that fun stuff. Uh, and there's this new need when you travel and it's, you're not just traveling to stay at a place and go on your classic tour that shows you dolphins in the, the ocean. Like you really want to find the locals, ask them what they're doing and then experience travel in that destination, like a local, be a responsible traveler and hopefully get back to the local businesses, not the people that sh set up shop because tourism is prevalent in that area. Right. Uh, so that's what Mount's approach is from the traveler perspective. And the way we see achieving that is by partnering with Airbnb hosts, short-term rental managers, vacation rental managers, basically so that we can enable them to connect to local businesses, to connect to local experiences, offer their own local experiences so that when the traveler comes and asks them, because they're technically a local, what should I be doing and where should I be going? They're like, actually, we've partnered with Mount, so we can offer you all these amazing experiences. Here's our landing page. The guest sees it, can book whatever they want, trust these recommendations because they're from a local. And it's a better facilitation of all these experiences that the traveler can now have. 
Uh, And it's all given by the host. And so the host gets like a commission for putting you in front of the traveler. And then the traveler gets a hyper local experience, which I mean, if you're a true traveler like you and I are like, I don't want to go to the top of the Empire State Building. I want to go to the little hole in the wall restaurant that then you could talk to Bruno, who's going to take you to do this activity. That's what I want. I want to know what's happening in this community. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want as well. So that's what Mount is hoping to facilitate. And then the grand vision of Mount is to make these nomadic travelers, give them the ability essentially to travel with just a backpack. And then they can find and rent everything they need in destination from the locals so that they don't have to buy single use travel items. You don't have to travel and take half of your suitcase up with hiking gear um, and you can get it from the people you're staying with. That is so cool. That is so cool. Okay. So this has nothing to do with Mount or you. This really has to do with um, a selfish uh, question for me because I am the mother of two Gen Z. So I very much understand this generation. Uh, My (laughs) daughter will soon be 27. I'll be with her on her birthday in Colorado, actually. And then my son will be 21 in December. So definitely my speed. And I'm, again, I feel like I was taking up for those damn millennials for so long. And now everybody's over that. But now your group is being questioned on your, a lot of things, just your perception of the world, work ethic, like what, I guess, let me start with why is your generation being picked on in the workforce? That would be my first question. Yeah. I mean, I think this is hilarious because my sister has been advocating to work remote forever. And my dad is a boomer and he doesn't, they do not, they clash. Um, <laughs> because she's like, dad, I totally can work this job from Barcelona. And he's like, no, you need to be in an office. <laughs> um, and I think it's just our generation has woken up a little. I mean, we all went through the pandemic, but I think going through the pandemic during college, missing your graduation, never having that, uh, you miss a few milestones and realize that why would I be suffering for the next 40 years working a nine to five wearing a suit at a job I don't even like just to make sure when I'm 60 or 70, I can retire and then have a life Mm -hmm. uh, when you're probably not in the physical condition to have the life you want to. Yeah. Whereas I'm now 20, I missed my graduation, life's a bit too short. And I also can work this job remotely and be a bit more effective. I think that's one factor. And I think too, mental health is a huge factor. And I love that we're talking about it openly and people can now admit they're going to therapy and it's great. And everyone loves talking about it. And we couldn't do that even five years, 10 years ago. And I think that has a a big factor in it. So uh, I am a big believer that if you're a company and you are not catering to this new belief of work-life balance, remote working, travel, live, work, they're all the exact same thing, that you're probably not going to be attracting top talent. Your company culture probably won't be the best. And so I think, you know, the other generation didn't demand what they wanted, although they probably wanted this and our generation's not afraid to speak up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in fairness, you were raised by a bunch of MTV generation where most of you, you were raised by a boomer, but I mean, a lot of us were Gen Xers who raised your generation and we were kind of like, stick it to the man anyways. <laughs> <So> yeah. <laughs> wasn't helpful in the process. We're sorry. Oops. Did we do this? <laughs> But I agree with you. And uh, like, I've been going to therapy since the beginning of time because I had, as you know, so much trauma in my history, but I just talked about it super openly. And so now I'm giddy because like people look at me like I had a third eye because I'd be at the bar being like, oh yeah, I talked to my therapist the other day. And they're like, you're saying this out loud. I'm like, yeah, the whole world should be going to therapy. What is wrong with, why don't you go to therapy? Like to me, that was the vision. So now the fact that you all like 
constantly are talking about childhood wounds and attachment styles and, you know, childhood trauma and things like that is it, it is moving. So one of the things that um, we talk about a lot at employer brand central is psychological safety. And um, so anyways, that was my little, you're a very confident, very self-assured um, grounded in your own truth and values kind of um, Gen Z or so I thought I would slide that question in for you if that was okay. <laughs> Definitely. No, that was a good one. <laughs> so, okay. You have quite a story and you know, what I know about you is you are just getting started. You're so young and you already have so much traction and it's going to be super fun to watch you. So before I tell everybody where they can find you online and how they can do business with Mount and whether you're a host or um, a traveler, what would that parting piece of advice be for a woman in business, a bombshell who really desires to be bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident in her career? I think my best piece of advice is, and it's funny because this is a, a culture value at Mount, but it would be to own it. And I would say, don't be afraid to to be who you are and, and come across as confident and just getting it done. Because I think for the past 50, 60 years, even now still, like men haven't questioned the fact that they're doing it. So why should we? <laughs> um, and, so, you know, I am pretty confident and I come across that way. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, is that arrogant? And I'm like, no, this is confidence. This is what it looks like. <laughs> I don't think um, I'm better than you. I just like yeah, me. If you're not exactly. okay with that, that's your for, that's for you to deal with. <laughs> Exactly. I'm just very confident in myself. Like I'm not going to be insecure. And I think, you know, if you worry about the insecurities and think other people are thinking badly about you, they're probably not. They're probably worried about themselves. So yeah. uh, I would say just own who you are and, and start today and, and don't wait another day. Yes. That's what I love about you, Maddie. That's why I was like, why, <laughs> why haven't you gone? Why are, why are you not on the show yet? How can we have you on the show? You are like the epitome of a bombshell. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> to Fine. First of all, you need to follow her on LinkedIn because she's very involved on LinkedIn, as is the entire STR VR, uh, VRM community. Um, but TikTok, your rent mount. Yes. And then you're on Instagram as well, because I see you a ton on Instagram, right? Yeah, I believe rent mount on both. On both. Um, yeah, TikTok, you'll get my amazing day in the life. So you can see what I am up to in New York. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram, you'll, you'll get the host gems on what you can our tips and tricks for you. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. And then, um, if you want to get in touch with Maddie, like if you want to have a conversation about bringing in their services or whatever that looks like, we will put a, like a Calendly scheduling link. So you could just book an appointment with her directly in the show notes, which is amberhurdle.com forward slash podcast with an S podcasts, plural. And then just look for Maddie's episode. Um, you could always click on archives if you're listening to this way into the future and, and look for that there, look for a beautiful face on there and um, you can do that. So um, you do have something coming up though in October, the Mount Cup. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? I do. Yes. The Mount Cup, it's going to be the day before Verma and it's the golf tournament. And I played in last year's. It was super fun. Um, and this year I decided, all right, Mount's going to put it on so we can have even more fun. And there's going to be different hole contests and a party in the clubhouse for all the people that don't know how to golf or don't want to golf and just want to drink. I'll sign uh, up for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe some follow along score betting type deal. So you can see who's, uh, who's winning the contest and all that good stuff. And just a good time for us all to get together and, and really create those bonds that I think are very special. <laughs> yes. I love it. Okay. Well, um, First of all, Maddie, thank you for being on the show and sharing your story and all the cool things and the, pulling back the curtain and letting us take a peek in on your journey. I appreciate you so much. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was a good convo. And uh, Bombshell, you know what to do. So specifically this episode, if you know, like a feisty, get it done kind of young female who might be in high school or college, I want you to send her this episode so she can see, so she can envision what is possible. It's not just a thought in her head. It's like, a, oh no, that person right there did it. And I can too. When we see somebody who are who's like us, who's getting it done, it's easier for us to believe that. So that's your, your first bit of homework. Second bit of homework is I want you to think about who is currently experiencing limiting beliefs, who's telling themselves, well, I'm not a man, or if I was a man, if tell all whoever has Gertrude in her ear right now or his ear, I want you to send them this episode because Maddie took something from an idea at 12 years old and now is truly changing the landscape of how people are traveling in the United States and beyond. So um, make sure that you share that. That's what the bombshell community is about. It's not about being in a group and high-fiving each other and saying, you go girl. Like we don't do that. What we do is we find the resources to empower other women. And this is one of them. And Maddie is the catalyst for that. So be sure you leave a rating and review, like us, subscribe, all that good jazz. And um, I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.